Well, are you ready to jump in the Word today? I want to talk to you. We've been in this message. We kicked it off last week called Reboot. Last week, we talked about rebooting mission. And this week, I'm talking about rebooting the gospel. Rebooting the gospel. You know, as a parents of an NFL player, one of the things that I'm learning is that you get some great gifts. And uh, Josiah has been blessing his parents. Hallelujah. He's been blessing his parents with gifts that he either can't have uh, at his apartment or he doesn't have room for. And so uh, before he took off to Green Bay, uh, there was a big Traeger grill that was delivered. And I've been cooking ribs and, and chicken and tri-tip on that. I mean, it's been just just wonderful. And then uh, this uh, last week, he, got an, uh, he sent Amy an Apple Watch because he already had one. And so he gave her that. And then one of the latest gifts we just got was a sleep number bed. Now, I don't know if you know about the sleep number bed, but this is absolutely next level. Now, we had already purchased a, a mattress, a very good mattress, um, just recently, and, and this mattress was good. I mean, it was great. You know, you don't know how much uh, a difference a, a mattress can make um, until you get a really, really good one and start sleeping really, really well. And I thought, hey, we're good. This is going to last us a while. But the sleep number mattress is the Maserati of all mattresses. I mean, this mattress, you guys, it was incredible. It comes with its own app. It has sensors on it. It has air. It has all these different things. Listen, here's one of the coolest things that Amy absolutely loves. If I'm snoring at night, it actually has a button. It's called Partner Snore. She can press this button, and without me even know it, it slowly lifts my head up. And she says it absolutely works. She says, I love this, this feature of this app. Um, it will tell me how long it took me to fall asleep. It'll tell me how many minutes that I was restless in the middle of the night. It'll actually even tell me how many times, uh, how many minutes I've been out of bed. It automatically adjusts at night when you're laying down. All of a sudden, you'll just, it'll figure out the position of your body and, and it will either inflate or deflate according, uh, according to the comfortability that you're desiring. And I've only slept on this bed, you guys, for a week. And I'm just telling you, my life is absolutely changed. I, I probably, on average, probably sleep, I would probably just guess like six to six and a half hours. I know. I probably have some kind of issue going on. But this bed has made all the difference. I'm actually sleeping now and for a week, eight hours a night. I know some of you think, hey, I sleep eight hours. This is a miracle for me. And as we dive in the message today, and I was thinking of this Maserati of mattresses, the sleep number bed, and how I'm waking up literally as a new man with a new lease on life, I want to suggest to you that in 2021, God is giving us a gift of the Holy Spirit so that we can reboot and wake up fully alive to the gospel of Jesus Christ 
in 2021. One of the things that I've noticed about the body of Christ and church world is, listen, we are all over the map. We, as the body of Christ, are in a theological crisis that we must address. And I believe, listen, we want to be so deep that we're distracted. We want to have so much revelation that we get misinformation. And listen, I just believe that we need to power off for a season and we need to reboot to the simplicity and the power of the gospel. Romans 13, 11 says this, Paul said, and do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. The night is far spent. Verse 12, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in reverie and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. In 1 Corinthians 15, 34, this theme of awakening to, the, to be fully alive in Christ is threaded throughout the apostles' message. He says, awake to righteousness. Listen, we're so quick to point out sin, and I think we should be quick to awaken to his righteousness. Listen, we're so quick to point out what's wrong in us. Listen, that we don't take time to point out what's right in us. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Awake to righteousness. Do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. And then Ephesians 5.14, a very familiar passage we read all the time. He says, awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. I firmly believe as we reboot in 2021, we will need to power up to a renewed clarity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no other gospel. And today, you might think, hey, this is a very simple message. It is actually a part one of, of a two-part Message. I'm going to talk about it next week. Today I'm laying a foundation. But listen, I want to ask you the question. I'm going to show you a video. What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? Here's a quick video that gives you a summary of what it means. Let's take a moment to rediscover what this important word, gospel, meant to the people who wrote the Bible. Gospel translates the Old Testament Hebrew verb, biser, and the noun, besorah. The Greek New Testament equivalent is euangelion, which is a compound word. Eu means good, and angelion means announcement. All of these words mean good news, but what kind of news? Well, in Hebrew, biser is what we might call national news, or a royal announcement. Like when King David hears a messenger biser that his army was victorious in battle. That means he still rules on his throne over the people of Israel. And after David dies, his throne is passed on to Solomon, his son. And when he was inaugurated as king in Jerusalem, a herald spreads the Besorah, that a new ruler is in charge. But after Solomon's death came a bunch of bad news kings, whose corruption led their nation into self-destruction. 
This is why the prophet Isaiah announced the good news that one day the God of Israel would come as the cosmic king to confront all corrupt and violent kingdoms and restore his rule over all nations. And so, when Jesus of Nazareth hit the public stage, he continued Isaiah's gospel when he went around announcing the euangelion of God's kingdom. Jesus claimed that God was restoring his reign over his people Israel and over all nations, and he was the one bringing it all about. Now, the euangelion about a new king in charge means a new way of life. Jesus said that living in God's kingdom meant following him by putting down the sword and seeking peace through radical forgiveness and generosity even toward your enemies. His good news required people to make a decision. This is why Jesus took his euangelion to Jerusalem to confront the corrupt and violent kingdoms of his day. But he challenged them in a surprising way with the power of God's generous love. As Jesus was being executed by his enemies, he received his crown and was mocked as a fake king. But he displayed true royal authority by forgiving his tormentors. Jesus was the one in charge that day, giving his life for the sins of others. And then, a few days later, everything changed. Jesus rose from the dead as the true king, whose love is stronger than death. He appeared to hundreds of his followers and told them to spread the euangelion, that all authority in heaven on earth now belongs to him. And they did share this good news all over the ancient world. They did it by writing the four accounts of Jesus' life that are the gospel. That is, they tell the story of how Jesus brought God's kingdom, how he lived for others and died for their sins, and then was raised from the dead. Jesus' followers also shared the good news by simply talking about it. This is why Peter and Paul, or Priscilla and Aquila, traveled all around sharing the royal announcement. While it might look like the rulers of our world are in charge and can do whatever they want, the good news is that the crucified and risen Jesus is the true Lord of the world, the real king of all creation. And in Jesus' kingdom, things are different. It's where the real leaders are the servants, because the last are first, and the first go to the back of the line. It's where the hungry are fed and the homeless are welcome, because love is the most powerful reality of God's kingdom. And this good news is not easy to believe. It actually sounds kind of crazy when you first hear it, but something happens when people tell the story of Jesus and start living like he really is the king of the world. Wow. That's when this gospel becomes the best news that you've ever heard. Something really happens when we begin to share this good news. Leads me to my first point. The gospel is good news. The most important message of Scripture is summarized in the word gospel, as you just learned. Yet our lack of understanding of the true gospel has reduced the very message Jesus came to proclaim as not enough. The very message Jesus was sent to preach and proclaim, the same gospel that changed you and I, the same gospel that took our messed up life, listen, and turned it into a message, the same gospel somehow today has lost its power to transform this messed up world. The same message which we've give, been given all authority to communicate and demonstrate is somehow rendered as not powerful enough to penetrate the darkness of this world. But that is not the message 
of the good news. Luke 4, 17 to 19 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me. In other words, He's put oil on my life to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery to the sight of the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. You see, last week I talked about rebooting mission and the importance of understanding our why so as believers and as the church we don't lose our way. Engaging real life, embracing real people, encountering the real God. You see, mission, again, keeps us focused on today, so I arrive at the vision of tomorrow. And today, listen, I want to talk to you about rebooting the gospel, because every mission has to be backed by a message that delivers on its promises. You see, Jesus didn't come to promise and under-deliver. And I believe 100% Absolutely, that the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ at its very core, and that's what I'm talking about today, the foundation, because sometimes I think we can get so deep that we miss the power in the message, the power of his death, his burial, his resurrection, that's the good news, has been lost, yet is the only message that will bring solutions to the complexity, confusion, and chaos we are being confronted with in our world. Why? Because it deals with the heart. You see, we really need a fresh revelation for what the power of the gospel, listen, does, not only for others, but for us as believers You see, the gospel has to be communicated and demonstrated. In other words, God just doesn't require us to preach the gospel. He calls us to live gospel-centered lives. Uh, For four years, I've told you before, but uh, I lived in Santa Rosa for 10 years. And for four years, when Amy and I were first married... I worked at Western Farm Center. It was a very popular food store. And I would witness to guys and I would invite them to church. A lot of guys came to Christ. And I would witness to just anybody. If they were, uh, we had runners and I was a cashier. And so if they were sitting there waiting to uh, wait on a customer, I would just be talking to them, sharing about uh, my testimony. Sometimes they would be mocking me uh, because of my faith. But I had a friend that I used to work with. He was one of the most, uh, uh, he was a very good college athlete. He played basketball for Sonoma State. This guy could jump out of the gym. But he worked at, at, at Western Farm. And I had just really preached with my life first. And a lot of times these guys would be asking questions. And I remember at uh, one point, uh, this guy, he actually came to church and gave his life to Christ. But Just when I transitioned from there and moved on into ministry, we had lost track and I hadn't really seen or heard of him except maybe seeing a picture here on Facebook the last few years. I hadn't really talked to him since 1994, 26 years. And just two weeks ago, I get a message uh, through Facebook and he says, hey, uh, Dean, long time, it's been a while. He's all, I got a couple of questions about God. 26 years, hey Dean, I got a couple of questions about God. And so 
we connected on the phone, and one of the first things he said when, he, when, when we were just reconnected, he said, Dean, I, the reason why I'm calling you, he said, you're the only one I trust. And I was like, what? <laughs> 26 years? He said, yeah, man. He's like, you're, the, you're one of the only Christians, he said, that I've ever met that lived what you were preaching. And that always stuck with me. And so I thought I'd give you a call. We chit-chatted. He asked his questions. But I just thought to myself, man, how powerful it is to live a gospel-centered life, right? But not only have a gospel-centered life, not only communicating the gospel with your life, but communicating the gospel with your mouth with a life that backs it up. You see, as we just learned in the video, the gospel should awaken you and I to a new way of life. The gospel should awaken us to a new way of living, a new way of leading. This is what real life is all about. That's the vision. That's what we're becoming. Listen, we're not a perfect church, but we are being perfected. Listen, a church that looks, a church that lives, a church that leads like heaven. That describes a process. That describes what we're becoming. But listen, the gospel should lead to a new way of thinking, a new way of handling conflict. The good news, real life church family, listen, should get people's attention. It should impact people. Can I ask you a question? Is the message that's flowing from your life good news? Is the message flowing from your life bringing abundant life to those who are in poverty? Is the message of the gospel that's flowing from your life healing the brokenhearted? Is the message of the gospel that you're preaching or you're posting, is it bringing freedom to those being held captive? Is it helping people recover what they can't see? Is it bringing liberty to the oppressed? People of God, can I just admonish you? Listen, stop cutting one another. Stop cutting the body of Christ. Stop the senseless wounding and putting on display a message that is disconnected from the good news of Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 26, 52, he's in the garden He's just gotten betrayed. Listen, Judas has just kissed him and betrayed him. And old Peter, listen, whips out his sword and cuts somebody's ear off. Right? We see a lot of people cutting some things these days, right? And what's Jesus say? He says, hey, Pete, put your sword in its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. You know, as you look at the Apostle Paul's ministry, I think sometimes we're tempted to just know everything. But I love the simplicity and the power behind the Apostle Paul. He said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verse 2. He said, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's it. That was it. That's all Paul was saying. Listen, all I have is one message with one goal in mind, that you would experience the power of the gospel. He said, my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power 
of God. I think so many times we're more impressed, listen, with the wisdom of God. I mean, with the wisdom of men than the power of God. We're so interested in the the latest cliche or the, the tagline, listen, instead of the power behind our message. It leads me to my second point, and my third point is really short, and I'm going to be done here in just a few minutes. The gospel is good news. Secondly, the gospel is a proposition and a person. The gospel is a proposition and a person. The gospel as a proposition, listen, it embraces, as believers, right, it embraces Listen, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's our basic belief. But listen, can I just tell you this? It's way beyond basic. It's way beyond basic. Jesus was proved by his words, his deeds, and his death. So the good news for you and I is found in the finished work of his death, burial, and resurrection. We're going to explore some of that last week. What actually has taken place? What is the good news and how does it impact your life as a believer? Listen, we need a revelation of the good news that Jesus brought to your life because I can guarantee you we're not, wa- we're not walking fully awake in the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ. If you look at Paul's prayers, all he said, God, I just want to know the power of your resurrection. He said, God, I want to know you deeper. You see, the, secondly, the gospel is a proposition. Secondly, the gospel is a person, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is a proposition. It's a belief, but the gospel is a person. In other words, we have to listen, embrace that belief as believers. But listen, when the gospel is a person, we have to allow, come on now, the death, burial, and resurrection, listen, to embrace us. This is where we miss it. it, it this is what I want to say, and I alluded this in the newsletter I sent out last week. Many of us are only experiencing a two dimensional gospel. I believe up on the screen right now, there's a two-dimensional cross. It's flat. And we have a vertical relationship with Jesus and a horizontal relationship with others. And a majority of Christians live their life, listen, in a two-dimensional, with a two-dimensional gospel. In other words, it's very thin. It's flat. It, it tears, listen, when there's tension, And you never experience the supernatural resources of heaven in your life because you're content with living on the surface. You see, a majority of Christians live their life two-dimensionally. They live their life on the surface of what I call a flat-lined faith. They live on the surface until they experience tension and find themselves, listen, with no depth. You see... Here's what I want to say to you today. We can allow tension to tear us apart, or we can allow the tension to create another dimension. You see, the second picture there is a three-dimensional cross. It's not flat. It's not just horizontal, uh, vertical and horizontal. It has some depth to it. It's not easily torn apart. Listen, you you can't rip it really easy. You can't tear it apart. There's some depth to it. There's some thickness to it. 
You see, this is why Real Life Church, a church that looks like heaven, has to commit to live like heaven. Or every time we face something together, all hell is going to break loose. You see, the last time I read my Bible, Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. What's it mean to live like heaven? What's it mean to live from a place of abundance? I'm not talking about earthly wealth or earthly material. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the resources of heaven. What's it mean to live with another dimension? Let me tell you, it means that I've experienced the depths of his mercy, so I'm extending his mercy. Three-dimensional faith, looks a, a three-dimensional gospel looks like I've encountered the depths of his love for me, so I demonstrate his love to others. Three-dimensional A three-dimensional gospel looks like God has shown me grace and undeserved favor, so I do favors in turn for others. His kindness has led me to repentance, so I'm kind towards others, that his kindness through me can turn someone's life around. You see, the abundance God shares with us, we must share with others. We must go beyond the surface. You see, many Christians want the depths of God without being crucified. Many Christians want the depths of God, the deep things of God, without being buried. Many Christians want the depths of God without living from a place of the power of His resurrection. So what does this lead us to? It's what we're experiencing now. Our faith is flatlining under pressure because there's no depth to our gospel. And I believe God wants to awaken RLC to another dimension, to explore the depths. Listen, to explore the depths of his love that will cause us to venture out of the shallow and into the deep. This was Apostle Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3. He said that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, listen to this three-dimensional gospel here, what is the length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I listened to a lot of podcasts and I was listening to a podcast uh, last week and it was Francis Chan. Francis Chan, if you don't know, he left a, a mega church and He's just like total radical guy. He's living in, in China now. He's got like a house church and he's discipling people one at a time. He's just, he's this radical guy. And they were interviewing him on this podcast and he's, they asked him, they said, Francis, what has surprised you about 2020? Francis, what has surprised you about 2020? And he said this, and literally it hit me like a ton of bricks because It was simple, but it was profound. And he said this, he said, the shallowness of our love for one another in the body of Christ. You see, church, 2021 has to be a year where superficial Christianity will not survive the day. The Holy Spirit, church, is calling us to go beyond the surface and deepen our love for Him and one another. This is what Paul was saying in Romans 8. He said, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sore? 
Can I just ask you, how would you answer that question right now? How deep is your love? And as the worship team comes, and again, I'm setting this up for next week. The third thing is the power, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is the power of God to salvation. Romans 1, 16, if you've been in church any amount of time, it might be a familiar scripture to you, but it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. What was Paul saying? He was saying the gospel, the good news, when it is communicated and demonstrated, it's nothing to be ashamed of. Listen, it's something that we ought to be awakened to. And it's going to accomplish everything, he says, I sent it to do, for it is the power behind my purpose. It is the power behind my mission. It is the power behind my ministry. Everything I do is because of the power of this gospel, listen, that is centered on the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Church, it's time to be awakened and not ashamed in 2021 of the gospel. Again, not to oversimplify it, but listen, let's not just say, oh, that's elementary. Listen, when we're still experiencing a two-dimensional Christianity that's just flatlined in this hour, let's add some depth to what we believe. Listen, let's ask God, say, God, I pick up my cross today. God, I crucify my flesh today. God, I lay my old man down, my old life down. I I nail my flesh and its passion to the cross so I may experience your power. Oh, God, take me deep. Take me deeper in your grave. Let me know what it means to identify and be buried with you. Let me identify, God, with your death. How deep, listen, how deep are you willing to go? Listen, we've got to stop digging shallow graves as believers. And then lastly, we've got to walk in the newness and the power of his resurrection. The newness and the power of his resurrection For it is the power of God to salvation. What's that mean? We're going to dive into this next week some more. And we're going to look at all of this in depth. But what is salvation? It's deliverance. It's preservation. It's safety. And it's salvation. And that word salvation has a lot of different meanings. And what I want to ask you today is are you fully awake to the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today you may be watching and maybe you've disconnected or discounted the power of the, maybe you've never experienced the power of his crucifixion personally. Maybe you've never asked for forgiveness and saying, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. God, thank you for burying my old man and my old ways and thank you for raising me up to the newness and the power 
of the Holy Spirit. If that's you today, I would just simply ask you just to lift your hands right where you're at, maybe in your living room, maybe in your bedroom, but you would say, Jesus, listen, I've discounted the power of your gospel, and I ask you, and I thank you, number one, for dying for me. I thank you for burying my old man, and I thank you for allowing me to resurrect out of the grave in the power and the newness of life. God, I trust your gospel today. And then secondly, maybe you're a believer. I just want to call you back, listen, to the basics. Listen, the gospel is good news is good news flowing from your life. The gospel is a person. Listen, you can believe in the death, burial, and resurrection, and you can embrace that. But listen, as a believer, you've got to allow, listen, the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection to embrace you. The gospel is a person, and then the gospel is power. Listen, are you walking in the benefits fully, Awaken to the benefits of the cross, deliverance, preservation, safety, salvation. That's what he has for you. Let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you for this time. God, I pray, Father, that in this season, God, we would be like Paul. God, that we would be determined to know nothing else except Jesus Christ and him crucified. God, there's not a more powerful message on earth than that. Lord, I pray for the revelation of what that really means. Help us to live it out in 2021. Lord, help us to crucify the flesh. God, help us to bury our old ways. And God, help us, God, to walk in the newness and the power of the resurrection life of our Savior, Jesus Christ, the newness not the oldness, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Church, I want to encourage you. Maybe you're watching for the first time. I encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Listen, tune on tonight. We're on Facebook. YouTube will be on rlcsac.com, 630. We want you to be with us. It's the last night. Come on, jump on. Just carve it out right now. We want you to be there. We'll see you tonight. Pastor Ben Daly is going to bring a word. He's going to bring some more revelation on what the gospel is and how it impacts us as believers. I love you, church. God bless you. And we're going to see you soon. Welcome, welcome to RLC.